Hey, Brian, how have you been, my friend? Good morning, Tony. Wow, it's been a while, hasn't it? Oh, I think it's been like, what, three weeks or something like Gosh, that? I, I, it may be even longer. But anyway, that music always puts me in such a good mood. And to top it all off, we're going to be talking about a show that puts us in a good mood. Yes, and that show is the incomparable Ted Lasso. We're actually going to be focusing more on season two. We wanted to do this as a, uh, a knowledge drop. Um, because we just love this, this show so much and we have yet to talk about it. And I feel now that season two is over. I just really feel like we needed to deep dive this whole season because this show, if you have not watched it, folks, it, uh, the, the premise is that Jason Sudeikis plays a character called Ted Lasso. He is a coach of an American football team, uh, here in the United States and, uh, his, um, gets hired by a football club in England to become a manager there. Uh, Wait, can and, you can you translate football club in England? What what do we call yes, that here? Soccer. Oh, okay. Yes, soccer. Don't want uh, yes. you know, to have it's any confusion out there. <laughs> so Ted takes his uh, uh, takes the job, leaves his family uh, to go and pursue this uh, avenue, and he brings along his loyal coach Beard, who is just. An amazing character as well. So that's the premise. Season one, great season. Loved it. Season two, I just really want to get into because I have a lot to talk about. There was a lot of things that happened this season. And Brian and I, we've said it a hundred times. We love this show so much. So uh, let's just get right into it, Brian. I mean, what were your kind of overall thoughts of the season? Do you think it was successful? Do you think it was better than the first? What What were your thoughts? Well, well it was... Um... One again, I, I love the show. Love all the lessons that um, that it provides, and you were clever enough to come up with a cool little uh, title for this episode, which was uh, the Lasso Lessons. Yes, which is so fitting. But anyway, know, right? um, but in all due respect, I, I need to give credit to uh, to Oren because Oren came up with the Lasso Chronicles. But I felt like that's great, but. Lasso Lessons kind of has a ring to it. And uh, anyway, I digress. Go ahead, Brian. The whole premise of the show is um, this guy is so nice that his positive outlook on things is contagious, basically. And I feel like that's what everybody needs right now. I mean, this could have come at a more perfect time, in my opinion. And just, you know, we need a feel-good show, but... That doesn't mean that there aren't things uh, that they don't tackle some real issues and problems. But um, uh, the, the the main character, uh, Ted Lasso, is just such a likable character that, you know, you can't help but watch and root for him. So season two for me was very different than season one. And if you haven't already yeah. seen it, we are going to be talking about spoilers. So please oh, make yeah. sure. Oh, so yeah. Spoilers up right. front. I'm sorry if you've not right. watched season two. Please. We're going to be talking about everything on even the last episode. So please, right. if you have not watched it, uh, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Right. So season two picks right up where season one leaves off. And in season one, you just kind of get to know the characters and the environment that Ted's now working in. And his impact on this environment and the people around him. So season one was, was very good. It kind of introduced us all to this world and this team, AFC Richmond. And now season two is more of a, a, a character building deeper dive. Now that we're already familiar with some of these characters, you know, what are some yeah, of that... their kind of issues? And it really goes dark in some, some points, but um, yeah. I loved it. It's just, it's just, adding to the depthness of the show. And I'm already in, I'm already in love with all these characters uh, and maybe except for one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, know. we'll talk about that in a little but, bit. But, um, Oh my gosh, I feel like, like, like they're part of a family. And I really, really love that, that whole closeness atmosphere that, that the show shows. Yeah. And um, to kind of keep that going, the first season was very optimistic, very happy, very, very kind of like infectious with Ted Lasso and his in his his method of 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 coaching and positivity. This, <laughs> yes, and positivity. 
But the first episode right out the get-go was very, very dark. I mean, it, we had this, this soccer player by the name of Danny Rojas. He uh, is, he, his mantra is that soccer is life, or football is life. Football is life. Football is life. Well, he has to now confront this. In the very first episode, mind you, he is getting ready to do a penalty kick, and he is up at the line, and he decides to kick the ball, and he ends up killing the AFC Richmond mascot, Earl, which is a whippet, I believe, or a greyhound. Greyhound, yeah. It was a greyhound, right? And um, then his whole world comes crashing down because here he is. His mantra is football is life. And now all he can think about is football is death. So you, that's how we start out the season. I just could not believe how dark and how quickly they went there right when, right from the get go from season two, because season one was all about joy. And now we're, it kind of sets the stage for us on what we're going to deal with in this season. And I really think it is, about this metaphor of what if you are a if if something is life to you how do you deal with these darknesses how do you overcome these to uh to be successful in whatever you do that to me is the whole key takeaway of uh season two we also see what happens when people double down on that dark side and i'm just going to bring it out nate we see his journey. I think this season was more about Nate than anybody else. We see that these little things that have kind of added up over the past two seasons created what I think is the best villain origin story I have seen in a very, very long time. Since Vader? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, actually, um, who... who there's been other characters. I can't you know, think of anything right now. Well, you're thinking anyway. of that, you know, um, Danny's situation um, of, of accidentally killing the, the team mascot was a good segue to bring in a new character to the show, which was Dr. Yes. Sharon. And uh, she is the team psychologist. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, she's not part of Ted's staff. Um, she doesn't, she works for the team, but as kind of like a temporary basis, and Ted's very reluctant and very on guard around her. And even and we the, find out why when right. we go into this. But season. even the first several episodes of the show, whenever Sharon and Ted shared a scene, it's usually she's kind of behind him and looking over his shoulder. And that's obviously bothering Ted, you know, for at this point, unbeknownst reasons. But, um, you know, it's uh you know, the team just seems to love her. She has a, a personal c connection with everybody that she speaks to. And she seems to be helping, you know, legitimately helping with uh, with some of the team's issues. Again, that, you know, Ted has built this bond with these players that he kind of expected himself to be the one that the players go to if they ne yeah. needed any kind of help or trouble or a pep talk. And, and Ted's been kind of that guy. And now there's this outside a uh, person who comes in with a very, very dry, very, very quiet demeanor, very opposite of Ted, you know, who now the players are really gravitating towards <laughs> and it's not Ted. So I feel like he feels a little threatened a little bit on I his status too, yeah. um, uh, with, with the team. But then as, as the season progresses, we, we understand why Ted has kind of built these walls around us. I, we all kind of do that. Whenever you are experiencing some type of trauma, you think that sometimes the best way to deal with it is to actually put up these walls. And Ted Lasso ne doesn't necessarily have walls, but he will with Sharon, and that was for good reason, because he understood he had already been through the, this process with his marriage, and he felt um, that it was all about her and th there was no interest in him so he already had been burned by this process of therapy but as the season goes on you understand and that again made him build up these walls and and have this mistrust with sharon right off the get-go so as the season progresses i really enjoyed seeing that relationship really kind of flourish into this professional yet friendly um, thing between Ted and um, and Sharon, he now confronts some really hard 
demons that he's been dealing with his entire life. And we now understand why he chooses. This is the other thing. Choice. You have the power to choose how you react in certain situations. And Ted, if you uh, watch the show, his father had killed himself when he was a, a child. So Ted is dealing w- with his father's suicide. And they're, Sharon is trying to pull this kind of information out. But as the season goes on, he then breaks down these walls and allows Sharon to help him. Uh, it doesn't start off pretty. He comes in the first couple of times, and he wants to put on the Ted charm with Sharon, and Sharon's not having any of that. When that doesn't work, he then goes into her office the next time and just complains about her and what the process is and how he's been hurt through this whole process of therapy, and he just thinks that she's a, a complete fraud, which is funny because if you watch the show, you know that she is not a fraud. She has been helping the team all along. Yeah, so know, this is more about Ted and what he's dealing with. We've never than it seen is about Sharon. Ted really attack anybody either. You know, no, and, and he this, attacks her. Yeah, I mean, in, in the lasso way. I mean, like it's not vicious, but this is the most he's ever kind of criticized somebody and what they've done that we've seen on the show so far. You know, and. You know, it's funny because, you know, he only he almost goes through like all the stages of like grief and acceptance and stuff like that with his with his interactions with Sharon. And you see that, you know, they have learned to give and take. Sharon opens up a little bit because that's what Ted needs to feel comfortable. And then in turn, Ted does the same and you find out what the real issues are and the 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 real issues are based around his father's suicide is ted is angry ted is angry because he feels like his team or his team his dad gave up on him gave up on him and his mom and you know and didn't seek out help um like he should have but but he holds that that child mentality on giving up you know uh as an adult and was has grown into to anger and uh and then, you know, of course, he's kind of shoved that behind some walls that he's built up around the whole situation. Yeah. So, again, in it, at a certain part of this, too, he feels that he has some ownership of his dad's death. And I think that was the hardest part for him to kind of deal with. Um, and that then reflected in his coaching style and how things happen. So even the most grievous the most heinous things that can happen in your life, believe it or not, you can turn those things around and become better because of it. Even though it's, it is so hard to go through that. I'm sure everybody in their life has, has had some kind of challenge in their life or something that they're going through and they think it's never going to end or what is the purpose of this? The purpose is what you do with it uh, and how you kind of turn things around for yourself. You can live in this vortex and you can live in the depression. You can live in all of this stuff. But really, is that healthy for you? I mean, you're going to then um, Ted also has some some issues with alcohol. He suffers from panic attacks. And all of this is kind of all built up because he is afraid to deal with these hard issues. And by the end of it, uh, he he and Sharon, I, I think that was one of my favorite um, relationships about this season. It, it started off kind of cold, and I didn't see where they were going with it, and I kind of didn't like Sharon at first either. I'm like, who is this I don't this think woman? anybody did, right? Because <laughs> we're, we're all so, so much team, team Ted, right? And yes, then they're exactly. like, who's this in, in, intruder, right? And why is everybody, you know, like, like don't forget about Ted. Ted's amazing, you know, <laughs> yep. but everybody is all about Sharon when she first joins the, joins the staff. Yeah, and it's and it's this whole season, I guess, is is to me it was the, um, I guess the theme would be darkness, right, and confronting it, or or what darkness can do to you as a human being. You could either turn it around for yourself, or you can be like uh, that shit bag, that fucktard, that huh. guy that I just cannot stand, hold on, hold on. Nate. Let's save him uh, for I, the sorry, end. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I'm I'm ready to go I off you are. on him right I now. That guy, uh, Jesus Christ, you know, Hold he on. just doesn't fucking get it. Anyway, uh, but there were so much other things yeah, going on in this season. Let's, uh, I want to talk about Roy Kent because oh. Roy Kent is my hero. I know he's Brian's hero. This man is, you want to talk about somebody that has, um, that has grown and it's painful. <laughs> 
he's actually in pain as he grows through the season. Right, growing is every painful. single time. <laughs> it, it really is, and you see it on his face. You see, uh, Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent, is an absolute treasure. This man is just genius in how he. Um, uh, how he portrays Roy Kent. Roy Kent to me is that guy inside your head, that person that like is dealing with, and these are the things that you want to say, but you are so afraid to say it. Well, Roy Kent doesn't have that filter. He says what he thinks. And that is his, um, that is his strong suit too. Uh, He goes through this whole kind of journey throughout season two. He starts off by retiring in season one comes back, starts coaching a little league uh, girls soccer team, and he's teaching them all these cuss words and all of this other stuff, and he's being very hard on them. Um, but then as the season progresses, <clears throat> he eventually comes back to um, Richmond as a coach. And uh, oh, Don't forget his, uh, he was an announcer for a while. Oh yes! How could I forget those? <laughs> those are some of my favorite scenes when he's like holding people to task, like that old cranky dude, the right. gray haired dude. He I used can't to be even the coach of Richmond. Oh, was he really? He, I didn't remember. In season really? one, he was the coach that Rebecca fired. Oh shoot! Okay, so then that. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> well, then that explains all of the animosity. So uh, here's Roy basically lambasting on a, this guy on a panel of washed up coaches. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. and it was all because of. Didn't Keeley kind of push him into that into yeah. that road? I really love their relationship, but I just uh, Brian and I were talking about it. Keeley and Roy Kent had this special relationship. I hope it's not over for them. I'm getting ahead of myself, but um, Brian thinks that this is the finale for them, and uh, I, I think I, I think he could be right. Um, and it's more about that growth, right, Brian? I mean, yeah. that's kind yeah, of what all know. the season entails. So basically the whole season's about, like, personal development, right? And, you know, even though we're, you know, adults, middle-aged, whatever, you know, you never stop developing. You never stop learning. You know, there's there's always aspects that, that you want to develop or, or change about yourself. But going back to Roy Kent, my goodness, what – a phenomenal character. I love this character. He is by far my favorite character of the show. And, you know, like, I feel like, like he could be my spirit animal. (laughs) You know, know, the man sounds like, like he's gargling gravel and it just like, it sounds like talking hurts. Yeah. He's such, he's got such a gruff voice, but he is a man of very few words, but when he does talk, I mean, it's very blunt, very to the point, which is, as Tony knows, is kind of my style. And, you know, he's very, very truthful. And what he says has a lot of meaning behind it. Uh, He's giving relationship advice to Rebecca, you know, uh, while he was an analyst talking about a former teammate of his, Jamie Tart. He called him a... where he called basically a little bitch, on it, which yeah. there is no cure for on air, <laughs> and um, in one of uh, in one of his announcement uh, or one of his uh, shows, commentating and, gigs. Yeah, exactly. And then you know just the progression of his personal relationship with uh, with his with his goddaughter, and uh, you know it's just so heartfelt and touching like he cares about the people he cares about in his life he will do anything for whether it be his goddaughter uh his girlfriend and now and now his team you know i really feel like like he will do whatever he can to to be there for them and to to watch this man you know he's got such a a tough rugged exterior and to see these moments of vulnerability you know, it's like, it's unexpected. Um, I got to admit, you know, I don't like to admit this, but I will admit this for the show. Like Tony has said before on the Knowledge of Nothing podcast, there are some moments of this show that has made my eyes well up. And some of those had to do with some of the Roy Kent scenes. You know, there is a very touching story arc. There's this player on the team that Roy um, played with and kind of mentored while in season one. 
And now that he's like arch nemesis. Right, right. They had this very, very unhealthy rivalry, you know, (laughs) almost very toxic rivalry on the team. And now that uh, now that Roy is a coach, he's got to coach this player and he's very reluctant to do so over personal feelings. And throughout the season, they they become close. And at one point, it's but it's a hard journey for them. Right. This was not an overnight thing. And at one point, this player has a very personal confrontation with a family member, and Roy is the first person to step up and console this player. And yeah, you, know, you can say it. I mean, we're we're already doing the spoilers, right? So I, I mean, mean, I his, did say his it. Dad. You know, I, yeah. Like, well, no, no. <laughs> you said a character, a family member. It was his dad. You know, his dad, Jamie Tart's dad. Uh, I think in that moment. It, it became crystal clear what Roy Kent now understood why Jamie is the way Jamie is. Right. Right. Jamie's and not an easy person to like. <laughs> no, he is not. I mean, he was kicked off of that, that reality show oh at the gosh, beginning of the season. And that's why he thought he was the shit. He thought that his shit did not stink. He thought he was going to um, screw Richmond. He was going to go play for other teams. Manchester. By sec- yeah, Manchester. And like three episodes in, he's like, uh, can I come back? And they did bring him back, but it was under certain conditions, and he needed to meet those conditions. But in that moment where he, his father basically comes in the locker room and degrades and just basically rips his son apart in front of the whole team, I think Roy Kent right there and then understood why Jamie had to put on this, this air of, of confidence in all of this air of superiority and not taking shit and being all about himself because he's, he's trying to be what his father thinks he should be. Right. And he's not being true to who he is. And in that moment, Roy Kent steps up out of all of the team members and gives Jamie a hug. And it was one it, of the most, not like uh, a, like a guy hug, right? Where you know, the, the half handshake, right? You got the fist in between the, the chest yeah, and you know, this, the one arm pat on the back. You know, no, this was a full this on was an embrace. embrace, you know, two arms wrapped around you and, and you held it in <laughs> you know, like you yeah. held it in. <laughs> yeah. And to me, that's where things started to kind of uh, help form that relationship and they still had bumps in the road throughout the season. I mean, at one point, uh, well, let's Jamie... talk about Jamie. Let's talk about Jamie okay. and his, yeah, and his arc and his development. <clears throat> oh, his arc was just again about this redemption, and he's trying to figure out who he is and being true to that person, and also learning the valuable, um, uh, the valuable idea of what it means to be a team member. Yes, not being a solo act. You are part of a team, and that was a great uh, character so, uh, arc for him. In season one, Jamie Tart was almost like the villain on the team. <clears throat> Excuse yes. me. And what we mean by that, um, Jamie was on the team as a loner player, and you know, and but he was he had the gift. Yes, he is he was by the far the most talented player on the team, and yeah. he knew it. And that, of course, you know, went to his head. And he treated everybody as if they were below him. And so he was not a very good teammate. Nobody on the team really liked him. And he ends up in the, in, in the first season leaving the team. And of course, who does AFC Richmond play in the finale, but Jamie Tart's team and Jamie Tart uses some of the lessons he learned from Ted to beat the uh, the Richmond uh, Football Club and uh, demote them to the Championship League League instead of the Premier League. So because of Jamie, um, the team suffered a pretty devastating loss, and um, Jamie was was all about that. So season two starts off with Jamie on some kind of reality dating show where he gets voted off for kind of being a tool and nobody really liking him <laughs> yes. and. Uh, it's kind of a, a but he loved himself. Right, he thought he, he thought he was, was doing kind no of wrong. A, a big shock to his ego. So he's talking to his uh, his agent about what are their options out there. He wants more acting gigs, and uh, you know maybe I can go back to uh, other soccer clubs. And basically, his agent says nobody's going to take you. You know, you're acted like this, nobody wants you. So finally, he kind of goes back to Ted, and 
says, hey, is there a spot for me back on this club? And at first, Ted says no. You know, Ted says, you know, like you burned a lot of bridges and I'm all about the, the, the team morale right now. And you didn't have any while you were here. So the team finds out about their conversation and is very vocal with Ted on not wanting Jamie back on the club. Especially Sam. Sam was the most vocal part of that. that, that right. Team. And then he felt like he was that Jamie betrayed everything that was held dear by uh, Richmond. So ultimately, we can all see this coming a mile away. But Jamie is asked to come back onto the club, but he has to earn his spots. He's put on the practice squad. Uh, he has to earn playing time, and he has to be a good teammate. And he is, you know. And at you know, I kept waiting for the shoe to drop uh, for a good half the season, where Jamie was kind of kind of revert back to his old ways, his selfish ways all about him kind of being a jerk to uh, to other teammates and staff members. And I was relieved to find out that that didn't happen. You know, Jamie came back to this club, you know, kind of with his, with his attitude in check, his tail between his legs, very humble character, really opposite of what we saw in season one and was actually a good teammate, very caring, supportive, uh, helpful and willing to learn, willing to learn from everybody. You just realizes, you know what? I don't. I have this amazing talent, but I don't know everything. And and that was his really big character arc. This season was was him accepting faults and and learning to be part of a team. And it's not about him. Yeah, and also I think growing as a person as well. Yeah. Right? that whole confrontation with his father again. Uh, and then he, he just decides that at one point in the season, he just needs to be true to who he is. So he then um, expresses his love for Keeley, which is uh, his season uh, one love interest, who is now Roy Kent's girlfriend. And um, she holds on to that. And the one thing I do love about Keeley and Roy Kent's relationship is how blunt and how they can just say anything at any time and they can forgive each other right then and there, right? And there's a lesson to be learned there. How many times do you put yourself in a situation or a situation arises where you kind of hold it to yourself and you're like, oh my God, if this person that I love knows about this or that or the other thing, uh, they're, they're going to think less of me. Uh, they are, they, I'm not, they, I'm not going to be as strong as they think I am. You start to internalize all of this stuff and it does you no good. It is more often better to just be Roy Kent and blurt it out. And so that way it's just done and over with, and then you can move on to the next thing and make that, that, that relationship a lot stronger. Uh, that was one key takeaway. I wish I could have that Roy Kent bluntness in life. Uh, whether it's with uh, you know relationships I have or uh, work relationships I have or just all of the above. I, I want to be like that, but I do understand there could be some really dire consequences if I did go that route. And so overall, it's better to just confront it right then and there and not hold on to it because then if you hold on to it, uh, it just is going to turn into this ugly monster. So... Um, I love Roy Kent, and I just love him because of who he is and the fact that he is not afraid to say what is on his mind at any given time about any subject, right? Um, he, there was one point he's flirting with a teacher, he's talking to her for three hours in a classroom, and uh, he was sitting there kind of thinking to himself, well, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe. And right after that, he felt so guilty, he went and talked to Keeley about that. And then that's when Keeley told him that Nate had actually kissed her. And <laughs> again, we're going back to Nate. Yeah. I'm going to bring this up. I, I, we've Wait, already... we have so many other oh, characters. <laughs> I know we do. Oh, Let, okay. Let's get well, to the really I will quick. go to Nate. We, let's okay, then we're we'll going to spend some talk... time on Nate. So let's... I know, and we're already okay, a half hour quickly, into this thing. So. Wrap up with Keely, about Keely, then we'll jump on to Rebecca, maybe Beard. And so then... so Keely, Keely, again, is, is now uh, coming into her own. She's, she is now, because of the strength of that relationship... And because the fact that Roy Kent 
wants her to be who she is because that is what she has provided to Roy. She has kind of guided him throughout all of this stuff. Things that he didn't necessarily want to entertain, she kind of said, well, why don't you? Try it out. See if it works. And sure enough, the commentating gig was something that she had mentioned, and that worked out. And then he, when he realized how empty that was, he wanted to go back to, uh, he, he didn't want to go back to Richmond. But again, after talking to Ted and after uh, Keeley, he is now part of the coaching staff there. Um, so not too much. The other uh, thing that I really want to talk about is Sam and Rebecca. I loved how this whole thing panned out uh, through a dating app. I'm not, I don't want to go over it too much. Uh, I don't want to rehash the whole relationship. But uh, the one thing I do want to take away from this was that relationship between Sam and Rebecca was very special to me. It was something that I felt um, totally it, it, they were mind messing with you uh, throughout the season. You're thinking that I she's talking maybe to this. Ted. Just right? so great. How they I knew this. they weren't going to go there. No, I knew that no, it was I, too easy it was not that they were going to go there. But we didn't know that it was going to be Sam either. No. And when we <laughs> found out it was Sam that was on the other line of this this anonymous dating app, holy shit. I was just like, oh, my God, how is this whole thing going to work? I got nervous for the both of them. And then when they went on their first date, again, this to me is just like. Oh, uh, they didn't just jump into this. They're very reluctant to even entertain the yes. idea. Uh, but then, but then uh, things you know, started happening. Love I know. Conquers all. Uh, love conquers all. I got it right here. I got oh. it tattooed on me. Woo! Yeah, love conquers all, buddy. So um, again, uh, love it's, makes um, you dumb. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It does not make you dumb. I love this um, because it was the last thing you expected, and that's always a nice treat. And the fact that they haven't skirted around it that they're tackling it head on and it's this subordinate versus the the owner of the team it's just like it's this age dynamic. different but they're both very mature about the whole thing yes yes yeah. and they both have this chemistry that is just unreal and i love the chemistry between these two the fact that uh sam spoiler uh is going to stay in richmond uh, is just something that I, uh, after uh, his... Um, but not Donin, because of Rebecca. Uh, what's that? But not because of Rebecca. I think Rebecca had a part in it. Come on, Brian. You don't think so? I know he owns a restaurant now, but I think that he, he saw uh, the impact that he was making as a player. Talk about Sam's journey a little bit. The fact that he, to me, is the strength of this team. He is the heart and the soul of this team. He is not afraid... Uh, there's one point where his, where Dubai Air is now a sponsor of uh, AFC Richmond, and he thinks nothing of it. Only then, when his dad calls him and says, "I can't believe you would would support this this ad or, or Dubai Air," yes, the sponsor because of what they have done to our country and what they're con continually doing to our country right now. And his father was just devastated and was almost on the verge of like disowning him right i mean he was really pissed off and passionate about this so that forced sam to kind of look at things and he had the gall to to be the one to cross out dubai air on his jersey and his teams followed suit who was the and first person to put the tape on their Chess after Sam. I think it was. I think it was the uh, the captain. What's his name? I can't nope. remember the captain. It was Jamie name. Tart. No. Was it really? Yeah. Oh shoot. Okay. He said throw me the tape. So then that's. Oh, that <laughs> makes sense because yeah, Sam did not want uh, Jamie Tart on the team. Right. And now here, Jamie is the first one to support. To put him. it over there. Yes, and to show that he is now uh, dissolved that ego, correct? Right. And now he is part of the team, and he is not just Jamie Tart. He is part of AFC Richmond. It was a beautiful moment. This show has so many moments like that that you just get lost in all of them. But that was a good call, Brian. Uh, Sam's journey in this, again, uh, at one point, I thought he was going to leave AFC Richmond yeah. because of, <laughs> uh, of the billionaire um, that came and said that he wanted to start uh, an African team um, that, to be in the Premier League. And well, you, let's back up just for a second. It was... Um, Sam's protest, basically, which brought attention to himself and then his yes. talent level on 
AAFC Richmond, which caught the eye of this billionaire from Africa who's also uh, developing his own soccer league in that country and wants Sam basically to kind of be the face of it, you know, after everything that, you know, he so publicly is doing for their for the country, even though he's not. Yeah. And even though he's not in that country, but bring so much attention to it, you know, so Sam is kind of an icon now for for bringing awareness to to what's been happening. And so this billionaire obviously wants Sam as part of this this league that he's developing. Yes, and uh, he wants to bring on all of Africa's most talented players. And uh, he offers uh, Sam. At one point, we see Banksy. Did you see that? Yes, there was Banksy yeah. was in one of the episodes. Yeah. I don't know if that was a real Banksy or not, but I was like, is that really Banksy? Um, I have to Google that up. And, of course, it's not really Banksy. But anyhow, uh, it, this guy does everything in his power to kind of convince um, uh, Sam that this is where he needs to be. Uh, imagine us being in the Premier League. Imagine all uh, a team full of uh, of uh, African soccer players, the best in the world. We are now going to make Africa that um, uh, uh, a continent to be dealt with when right. it comes to He's football. talking about World Cup, you know, tournaments yes. and all that stuff. I mean, like, really, it sounds exciting. <laughs> you know, like, yes, I know. I, right. I was, like, excited for him. Wow, I'm like, I what want, an opportunity. <laughs> I, I actually wanted Sam to leave. I wanted right. him to leave. But then that billionaire shows his true colors. You kind of get a couple of those things, uh, a couple of, uh, like, when he didn't want to uh, – shake hands with Ted Lasso. I thought that was kind of odd, and then you kind of find out why um, later on. But uh, it just goes to show that he also had the, uh, the courage to say no to this billionaire because he felt that the impact he was making at AFC Richmond, that is part of his journey, and this is where he needs to be at this time. And for Sam to know that at such a young age, is is absolutely incredible. You, you feel like, um, remember in season one, Sam was the newest player on the team at one point and felt homesick until Ted um, threw a birthday party for him and brought him some food from home. And he's very connected with his father, who he's got a very family strong connection with with his country and his father he felt homesick at one point this was his first time away from home and now for him to have the opportunity to go back home back to his family he passes it up because obviously he feels like this team is his family now and he's got so much growth that he's done and it's not done you know his growth and and development is going to continue away from home and he made that conscious decision not to go back to the comfort zone, to stay with with and continue the hard work that he's doing with this club, and I just I just love it. I I've always respected the character because he's always been um, he spoke he spoke from the heart, but his heart was was yeah. was traditionally always right. in the right place. Um, and for a character that's so young and to show this kind of maturity is really kind of encouraging, you know, and and inspiring and. I really, really like it and love the character on the show. So he chose to stay in England uh, with this. But with this. what he did, I thought, I thought you were going to bring up the one thing, Brian, that he, uh, because you know, we all know that when we think of home, what is the first thing we think about usually when we think of home, Brian? Food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, I thought maybe you know, that was a trick question. Remember, yes. No, no, no. <laughs> you're like, right. I think of food. So because he loved. Remember when he was with the with the. Uh, the, the, the billionaire took the, him to uh, a nice the billionaire and again food is so important and he yeah, decides that's your that culture he, right i mean exactly. food's important to me and i say that jokingly i always say that i'm a i'm a thick guy and everything i'm not that big but you know like oh, you're pretty thick oh, thank <laughs> you. not as thick as me but <laughs> but uh but anyway um food is so important to everybody right i mean like and you connect emotionally and you know with food and if it reminds you of home like what a the best compliment you can get in the food and beverage industry is like oh my gosh this reminds me of home this is like home cooking this tastes like how my grandmother used to make this is like how my mom used to make it i mean like the the instant recall that you get when you have a, a dish that's prepared like that and 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 in your mind nothing tops it nothing nothing tops yeah. it. if you want the cure so, for homesickness have a, a a meal that reminds you of home 
Yeah, and he and opening up this restaurant. Uh, that is what Sam is going to be doing in season three is opening up this restaurant uh, based on his country's food. And I, I'm looking forward to that because now this is where he is now becoming Sam. He's going to bring his culture, his food, his, his hominess, his everything, that comfort. He is going to now provide it for the folks at uh, AFC Richmond and the folks around right. in, uh, in, in that town. In his new village, right? <laughs> yes, this in is... his new village, exactly. Right. And he's now going to show them what he is all about and what his culture is all about through this restaurant. So to me, I felt that he is just the guy that I always feel good about. Whenever he's on, I'm just like instantly like enamored with whatever he does, whatever he says. Um, him, however he acts, him and Danny have the best smiles, right? <laughs> on the team. Yes. Yeah. No, smiling. Sam has, I, yes, I, I love, uh, Danny's dimples are, are cute, but, uh, <laughs> Sam has got the best, uh, got the best smile. Um, uh, but, uh, anyhow, I just, uh, Sam is a great character and I love what they have done with him and Rebecca. Um, we don't know. It's kind of left. It's up in the uh, air. We don't really know. But. It's up in the air right now, but I'm, I, I think that they may, um, kind of uh go back to that that relationship i i really hope so we'll see but what uh you know yeah we'll see what happens uh who else do you want to talk about first? um really uh, quick else? let's go with uh coach beard and and his journey oh how can i forget about coach beard i love this guy uh so much and the <laughs> we fact love that everybody he had one guys, episode <laughs> i know i do i love it I think it's like everybody on the show guy, I know. Right? this is my favorite oh this guy's my favorite no this guy's my favorite uh, Coach Beard is the quiet one, oh, and they man. always say that you need to be careful of the quiet ones. And we find out in one episode why that is. Uh, Coach Beard, oh my gosh, that night that he uh, is defeated uh, and decides to go out on the town by himself. Oh my gosh, you want to talk about an adventure? Holy cow! And the fact that it was all just Coach Beard, I loved that entire episode. I love the fact that he got on stage at some kind of rave and had this hula hoop thing going on. I he's a master hula hooper, and you would never have known this by just sitting in there watching Coach Beard. Uh, but that was a great episode, and I was so glad they gave him one entire episode to kind of. Let us know more about Coach Beard. Yeah, you know, and Coach Beard, even though he's very quiet on the team, he has been Ted's right-hand man for, we don't Always. even know how long, but I assume t for Ted's entire career, whether it be in the States or, or across the pond. And Coach Beard is just that that um, he's very strategic in his coaching you know often ted will ask uh beard to develop the game plan and then he just he observes things you know there i know we're going to talk about this character and, and finish the show with them we're saving uh uh nate for last but there are some points in the season where nate is showing some signs of um of being disrespectful to other people and Coach Beard is recognizing these signs and says things to Nate that um, Nate doesn't necessarily tries to hold him accountable, right? You know, and tells Nate to be better. You know, be a better person. Don't don't be like this. And then at even one point, um, you know, Coach Beard is very aware of Nate's actions and then offers to headbutt him to his face. You know, like. <laughs> You know, yeah. and just those little subtle one-liners from from Coach Beard is what I really respect because you know that this guy is on the up and up. He knows what's going on. You know, he may not be the most vocal in the room. In fact, he will never be the most, most vocal in the room. But he is often one of the smartest guys in the room, and he's very astute to what's happening around him. Yeah, very in tune to what's happening uh, around. He's the one that picks up on all the the uh, the cues, right? right? The, the the nonverbal cues. He is very. There's even an unspoken uh, language between him and Ted. You know. Yeah, and, completely. You know, like these two guys are. You know, <clears throat> their 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 friendship is. They've got a friendship bond like no other, and so and you know, like it's just it's just unmatched. I mean, Ted needs him. He needs Ted, and you know, Coach Beard. You know, Ted is the big flashy guy on the team, but I feel like Coach Beard is really kind of the nucleus and and holds it together. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I just, I, Brian, I, I have to ask you a question. Okay. I need to go into this. I don't. I've never heard about Dutch people being so uh, blunt and so um, honest. I I didn't even know this was a thing. But Jens, to me, oh my God, this guy is a is a, a minuscule role. But this guy comes up with the most brutal <laughs> honesty I have ever seen in a character. You think he's just and being he, as rude as hell? Right? Yeah. Yes, and he's got a smile on his face while he's telling you this. He's telling you you're the most horrible human being, or this is the most horrible thing, and he is telling you the truth, and the truth hurts. But he does it with a smile, and everybody's like, "The fuck are you talking about, so and so, Jens? What are you really? You're gonna you're gonna te- you're gonna pick this right moment now to say those horrible things with a smile on your face? You know who he reminds me of? Who? Drax. From the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Drax. Yes. Right. But with more personality, right? No right? I mean, Drax a little has, bit more. Drax has like, more personality. <laughs> yes. He's, he's, uh, no, I think Jens does because Jens is but just like. Drax does just, not know sarcasm, does not have I, a filter. I, I, and this guy had, does not either. And they, they keep saying that this is a Dutch thing. I was like, I've never heard of that. So I, I don't I even know if it's true. We but... have some Dutch listeners. You know, is this a true yes. thing? You know, I've never yes, heard this. Yes, is it? Please yeah, let please. us know. I, have... I want to know. This please is a share thing. a little bit of your culture with us. And uh, this is, you know. Yes. Uh, you know, this is the knowledge drop. But, you know, this is kind of like the knowledge of nothing also. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. I've never please, been to Holland. Please, um, <laughs> I wanted. I just want to know if is this, is this a, how it really is? Because I don't ever want to go there. If I'm going to be like called out every single oh, I second, do. I, single I absolutely day. do. I know you do. I, but that's that's you. I, I'm not. That's not me. Oh. So I, I already know the insecurities I deal with. I so would I love just to don't go in my face constantly. Yeah, I, I, I would love to. Well, then I guess you're going to start packing, Brian. I'll visit you in Europe, and we'll, well go I'm not from there. Stay, but, but I'd love uh, to visit. <laughs> But this is where we're now going to talk about uh, Nate and his journey. I think in wrapping this up, uh, this this whole season, if you want to really go back to the beginning, this this starts with Nate and ends with Nate. Uh, and what I mean by that is the first shot. Um, Nick Muhammad actually posted this on his Twitter account. He he gave us some insight to the character as the uh, season two progressed, and I. Follow him on Twitter. He's he just tells you exactly what the writers were and thinking. And he is the actor who plays Nate. Time. Yes, and he is the actor that plays Nate. I'm sorry. The first the first shot of the entire season is actually Nate's eyes. It's it is on Nate's eyes, and the last shot of the season is also Nate's eyes, and they are a lot different. Uh, there was this this light in his eyes at the beginning, and at the end you see that light go out and it's complete darkness in his eyes and that's the end of the season nate to me is one of these uh, i really am sympathetic to him i am uh, i see where he i want him to be a better person but that's just not in his cards i mean he's trying to kind of find his way he's trying and nobody really wants to listen to him they'll give him some certain things but even when he ta- when he kisses Keeley, Roy Kent doesn't think anything of it because oh, I'm not threatened by this guy. He just seems very non-threatening and just this this ghost in the background that nobody really tries to pay attention to, but has this mind that has helped them throughout the entire season. He is he's somewhat of a punching bag through through throughout the season, and it all comes to a head. Do you think he's a punching and- bag? I, do. I did not get that. I do. You know, I'm sorry. I, I, I do. I, I, I get it from his father. Okay. I, I think he, w- with his father and his mother, uh, even when he is um, on top of everything, uh, even at the restaurant, they didn't treat him kind. Even though he's on the front page of the newspaper, they were still, uh, he was trying to get a reservation for him and his parents, and they still thought of him as a joke. This guy is on top of the world, and yet nobody wants to just... Tell him yes or congratulations or hey you're doing an excellent job. Actually, He's just kind of somebody lo- did Who? the equipment manager for the team. They, he made him a jersey and everything and, oh, and presented right. him. Yeah. He was the only person who was really nice to him. Yeah, you know, I mean everybody's nice to Nate, right? Because everybody's nice to each other on the show. And yeah. but Nate really 
um, I don't know, attacks the weak. And, uh, you know, it's all yeah. about his self-confidence. But the equipment manager, who arguably is the person Nate is the worst to. You know, wait, uh, Nate yeah. abuses this character, you know, uh, verbally, That's emotionally, true. you know, does not create a very healthy work environment for him. And it's just just an awful, awful person for this uh, this young kid who's the equipment manager. And then Nate had some success and and the press recognized it and uh, put him on the in the paper. And the equipment manager made Nate a uh, Richmond jersey. Um for him and the yeah. whole team congratulated Nate uh, on it. And this was a great gesture. Um, and then uh, a little bit later on, Nate attacks the, uh, the, the equipment manager. Yeah, you know, we, we don't even see what happens. We just hear it uh, verbally attacks from what we know for sure. And accuses him of purposely trying to embarrass him in front of the team and really kind of lets him have it. And just, just a despicable act. I mean, really, really, really bad. But it kind of shows you the mindset of of where yeah. Nate's at. Yeah, and then by the end of it, where um, there was a, 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 a this moment in the final episode between Ted Lasso and Nate, and you knew that it, it, at this point it was too far gone. Ted Lasso understood the error of his ways. He understood what he had done wrong because Nate brought it out to him. And this is what I, what I mean by when you hold on to things, right? When you start holding on to certain things or certain feelings and not really expressing them right when they happen, those things tend to, to kind of compound and bury inside of you. And then they, they, it becomes this kind of uncontrollable rage. And you feel that everybody is kind of either out to get you or doesn't really understand you. Um, and you just, you, you're kind of in your own world. And it's very skewed because what people are thinking about you, you're, you're internalizing this and you're not confronting it. And when you don't confront these type of issues, they compound, they compound, and they finally blow up to this point of no return with Nate's character. Uh, he, he expresses to uh, Ted Lasso, I, I've tried to get your attention. I've done this. And he even brings up this picture that uh, Nate had given him as a gift. And he's like, this picture of you and I and Coach Beard is not even on your desk. It's, uh, you probably threw it away somewhere. Unbeknownst to him, though, Ted actually has it at home in a picture right next to his kid. So, again, when you start compounding all of this stuff, you're only going to see, you're only going to see what you want to see in this rage-filled environment. And uh, to me, that was the most, um, that, that was my takeaway from all of this, is that when you listen to this and you have all of this negativity and it kind of builds and he can't even confront his father. Uh, did he confront his dad at all during this? No, no. Right. Not that we know. Of. Yeah. He never says anything to his father. He just kind of like, Oh yes, sir. Or he kind of does things and he tries to make things for his, uh, happy for his father, but he never really confronts well, his father. Those issues. We never saw his father be thankful for it. Or here's, here's supposedly no. a restaurant. That his father's well, talks down to right, him. has always wanted to, to eat at, sit at a very certain table. And Nate uh, finally manages to arrange that. And uh, you, you never hear a thank you. You never hear like any, any sign of appreciation for what Nate had to go through to achieve that. So, I mean, yeah. I am sure so, growing up like that really messes with you. Yes, and then when you finally get this little inclination, and Ted Lasso, let's not forget, gave him this position. What was he? He was the equipment right, he manager, was, the equipment was he not? Manager, yeah. He was the equipment manager. So, again, you can already see why he's beating up on this other equipment manager because that is probably what he had to deal with for years and years and years. So, again, this this always brings up this, this quote that I love. I've heard it on... Uh, on another podcast, Joe Rogan Experience, um, and it really encapsulates everything um, about Nate. And it is hurt people hurt people. And I think with him, he is so hurt and so damaged. And even though you have given him something um, where he can kind of flourish in it, 
uh, he then used that as uh, fuel to say that I'm better than all of this. I'm better than you. I'm better than that. A small person or a hurt person is going to think that way. And there's nothing really you can say or do that's going to change their mind. I was always hoping for Nate to redeem himself. And who knows if he can even redeem himself at this point. Who knows if he even wants to. Uh, He's been in this environment for so long, and now he's got his chance to now uh, coach another team who is um, Rebecca's ex-husband, purchased this uh, West Hampton team. He is now the coach of that. And uh, it really sets up this kind of duel between uh, good versus right. There's an instant so rivalry. Here. I, I don't want to call him evil because right. yes, the, I don't want to call him evil. The players have nothing to do with this. <laughs> yes, exactly. But again, I just Nate is one of these uh, tragic characters that I just wish, man, I I was really really rooting for, and I was really hoping that he he would rise above the occasion. But you know, going into something like this that you're not going to be able to save or you're not going to be able to to allow uh, somebody to see something from a different perspective. When they have been living their whole life a certain way and these things have built up, this is the pain he is dealing with. I mean, there's one point in this epi- or in this season where he spits at himself. Not one point. You can just tell. Yeah, huh? Two, Two points. Yeah, right? he looks himself in the mirror and so disgusted of who he's seeing back through it that he spits yes. on his own image. And yes, you know, he does that twice and you can really just kind of see the psyche, you know, in this dark place that he is going through right now. Yeah. So again, and that's the thing that I I just wish that, uh, and it doesn't seem at any point, the only type of redemption I I can see is if it comes from within and comes from within his family. Um, that, cause I think that that is something that has done uh, a lot of harm to him. And then also the equipment manager position, all of these, these, um, less than, less than positions in his life. And it led him into where he is ultimately at now. So Nate is seeking approval from people above him, you know, because he gets approval through the show, through the team, the team believes in the plays that Nate comes up with. You know, the equipment manager believes in him, but Nate sees these people as below him, so it doesn't matter. Yes. You know, he wants... It's the less Right, he wants approval from his father. He wants approval from Ted, which Ted is not disapproval of him, but, you know, uh, but he wants more attention from Ted, where Ted is dealing with personal and team issues. You know, he wants approval from Roy. He only apologizes to a certain player because Coach Beard told him to. You know, so, yeah. you know, and then when, you know, he also wants approval from the media. So he's always dressing up in like in these suits where everybody else is kind of wearing like Richmond colors as they're coaching. You know, Nate is very overdressed for these matches. And then um, finally it comes to a breaking point and, and Nate says some awful things to, to Ted um, in the final episode based on how, Nate's trying to get attention. I think that's why Nate ultimately kisses Keeley. He's hoping Roy would have headbutted him in the face. You know, like, you know, yeah. then Ted would have to. Yeah, because that's that that is the intention he felt that he deserved, right. or that's the intention that you know, he he's wants. on a self destructive pattern. You know, where yep. he's seeking attention through through doing something wrong, and you know, at yep. this point, and then you know, um, I also quickly uh, wanted to touch upon how Nate never talked to Sharon. The, the, there was a team doctor there and never, yep. you know, almost avoided her. Point. I never think that there's actually a scene between yeah. those two at all, or they had any interaction at all, but no, she, now that I think about it, yeah, you're she right. was there for most of the season and Nate never once attempted to want to talk to her or vice versa. She had her hands full with the rest of the team, but I don't think Nate was on her radar either, you know, and then, no. Um, I'm, I'm hoping, Tony, that you'll touch upon um, some of the physical transformations Nate, you know, had during yeah. the season. So in uh, this tweet that uh, Nick Mohammed had talked about, he if you watch this, you naturally see this progression. And of all things, it's his hair. His hair ter- is dark. And as the season progresses, it becomes gray and According to what Nick was saying was this was they felt uh, the personification of this 
this other person he was turning into. Uh, you could see the stress, and usually stress causes your hair to turn gray. That's what they tell us anyway. I don't know if it's true. Or fall out. But that's what out. they say. <laughs> yes, or fall out, yeah. Brian's living proof of that one. So <laughs> just, but with the gray hair, as, you, as the season progresses, his hair turns gray. And finally, in that last shot, he's wearing a full gray wig with those eyes that I was just talking about. And you see the light in those eyes, and then that light just goes off. So this is a man that is on a mission, and he has done such a great job with this character because he's sympathetic. Um, I, I want to, and I empathize with him, but he, you just w- wish you could, you know what I wish I could do? I wish I could give him that Roy Kent moment. You know what that I mean? Hug. And just hug him and just tell him, hey, listen, Which man. one? The war- yeah, but he would probably kick me. He'd probably punch me or, or like knee me in the balls or spit in my face. But I would want to just at least try that. Because, again, when you start bottling all of this stuff up, it's only going to come out in a really bad, really um, uh, demented view. Um, so I guess the whole lesson in closing with this episode, is there anything else we wanted to add? Yeah. Because I think in closing, this, this whole cast is, um, is nothing but lovable characters, some honorable mentions, and we're not going to go into the backstory, but, uh, Rebecca has a goddaughter, which is just amazing on the show. Um, a best friend, um, sassy. Oh, Higgins. How can well, we forget Higgins, about Higgins? I was going to mention. And then, um, oh my God, I forgot about, uh, Higgins. um, uh, Trent Cram from the independent, I mean, just like so, so, so many great characters. And there's a number of characters also on the team that uh, that are just very, very heartfelt and just add to this already rich cast and this show. This show, I know uh, Tony and I have talked a lot about like like very deep, dark, emotional moments of the show. But ultimately, don't forget, this show is a comedy. And this show is very, very uplifting. This makes you feel good about yourself, makes you feel good about your day. And I watch it to get a recharge. You know, we're talking about some heavy moments, yeah. but don't let it fool you. They, the writing on this show is so brilliant that they can tackle moments and situations like this and still make you feel, walk out of that room with your Good. head held high and ready to handle, yeah. you know, your day and it, whatever comes right. Your and way. I just like, I look to the show now as kind of like my, I need my batteries recharged. I need my, my inner, I don't know, my inner feeling. You know, you know, to feel better. Yeah. You know, I just like, like after a stressful week, I look forward to this show. And, and anyway, I just wanted to end with that. I love the show. I am really looking forward to season three and, and wherever mm-hmm. the show takes us, I'm on board. Go AFC Richmond. Good luck in the premier league. And, and I'm yeah. all about, which they ended up. Uh, so yeah, for season three, yeah. they have now purchased the rights to use the premier league. Uh, logos, team names, all of that stuff for season three. So uh, we know uh, that's that's going to be fun. But oh, I think let's congratulate this I show guess, also on its numerous Emmy wins. Oh, seven Emmys, you know, right? I think well it was. deserved. It could have easily have been more, in my opinion. But yeah. um, fan, fantastic to the whole team behind this this uh, this show. Yeah. So uh, in closing, I think the 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 one lasso lesson i think for this entire season is not to be afraid to speak out not afraid to be transparent with one another not to be afraid of uh, holding things in yeah just let it out just talk to somebody talk to other people Uh, do what you need to do the minute you're in trouble is when you start to internalize and you keep that internalization going and you have no outlet for it. So to me, the whole season was about just being who you are, being comfortable enough, and having the balls to be transparent enough to say, I need help, or I need, I need to bounce this off you. So please, just going forward, try to be like Ted Lasso. Uh, you know, just to me, it's just... just I'm going to be like Roy Kent. <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know you are, and I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try everything to be Ted Lasso. Um, but I, I want to end this this uh, show with a tweet that we found by somebody on Twitter 
Her name, she goes by Heather Obi-Wan Gandalf, which is a callback to... Um, this episode, the last the, episode. Yeah, the last episode where, uh, who was it? It was uh, Ted Lasso basically said he had learned some uh, a saying from John um, Obi-Wan Gandalf, which was John Wood. Yeah. Uh, and this lady is at Rev Heath, R-E-V-H-E-A-T-H. And it goes as such. Be as loyal as Coach Beard. Be as real as Roy Kent. Be as generous as Higgins. Be as strong as Rebecca. Be as honest as Jens. I don't know about that one. Be as kind as Sam. Be as encouraging encouraging as Keeley. Be as joyful as Danny. Be as curious as Ted. Just don't be Nate. Don't ever be Nate. And that is this edition of the Knowledge Drop. Mm-hmm.